0: Please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. James has been writing about how a Christian should act and live in the world around us. And we shouldn't be influenced by the world, but we should be the one impacting and influencing the world around us. And sometimes that's hard because the world has... Uh, So much influence on our lives. There's just inundated with the commercialism of the world. It's constantly attacking us, whether it be on social media, whether it be on the TV. We're under constant assault by the world. And it's important for us to remember that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And we can have an impact on the world. So the way we do that is by living our lives for the Lord. By living what we believe. And our faith is demonstrated by how we live. The second half of chapter 4, James is going to address speech once again. James has a lot to say about the tongue. He has a lot to say about our speech. And... We take it for granted because we talk all the time. And I know I get accused of talking uh, a lot. And it's a good thing to speak when you have something to say. Uh, When you don't have something positive to say, sometimes it's better just to remain quiet. And uh, James is going to... um, touch on that today. Today's message is titled, What We Say Matters. As we continue our study through James with chapter four in verse 11, where we read, do not speak evil of one another brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver, Was able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? So, once again, James is speaking to brethren. You know, quite often we take the words that we're reading and we apply them to speaking to the world, but James here is being critical of brethren. He's talking about brethren, and since he was telling them not to speak, evil of one another, this probably was a problem. This was something that was an issue in that day. Fortunately, it's not an issue anymore, right? Yeah, okay. You see, it still is an issue. It still takes place in the world today, in the church today, and it shouldn't. And it doesn't matter which church you go to. You see... There are plenty of churches up here in Fountain Hills. There are plenty of brothers and sisters in Christ that live in Fountain Hills. And, and so when you're being critical or angry with the person next to you in line at, at the store, you may be being critical or harsh with a brother or sister in Christ. I was, uh, I was at my best yesterday. I was at the light... Uh, at Fountain Hills Boulevard in Palisades and I had my window down and I had casting crowns cranked up and I was just having the greatest time and this van pulls up alongside of me and she had her window down and she looked over and she goes great song and she gives me the thumbs up you know and I said well god bless you praise god you know and you don't know who is going to hear it. Now, she just happened to be part of our camp. You know, she's she's part of the tribe. But you never know who else may be listening. And, you know, we can have an impact. I'm not saying blare your radio. See, I'm hard of hearing. So I have to have it loud if I'm going to enjoy it. And um, But I'm not saying that's the way. But it's a good way, uh, you know, to let people know what you believe and, and what you're doing. So first... In this instance, we should identify um, what speaking evil of one another means, what, what, what that means. And it may be saying things about someone that are false, that's an outright lie, and we can do that. We can say things that we're not sure of, and we make a statement as if it were a fact, but it could actually be an outright lie. It's not something Christians are supposed to be doing. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4.25 that we should put away lying. That it shouldn't even be something we would do. Because, why? We're members of one another. You see, we're all brethren. We're all in fellowship together in the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And We shouldn't be critical of lying to one another. We shouldn't be doing that because the world sees that and they think they're no better than we are because of the way we treat each other, the way we act towards each other. They can look and say, wow, I don't lie about other people, so I'm better than that person. They may even think that They're Christian because they don't do the things that some Christians do. So we're told not to do that. When we denigrate our brother or sister by telling lies about them, we hurt all Christians. It's a mark against all Christians. Remember, we're ambassadors for Christ. And so when we're out there We're representing Christ in everything that we do. The world notices. And the world will think either positive or negative based on our actions, our speech, our heart. When when we get to the four-way stop sign, do we accelerate through because it's our turn I know some of you are saying you do that, Pastor. I've seen you do that. You know, I have done that. You know, it's like, hey, it's my turn. I I get to go. You know, and and especially up on my street. You know, it's on a main street and and I feel like I I need to go. I this is my turn. This is my right. You know, and now I'm learning more, I'm having a little more patience. And I actually wave people on. And let other people go first. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, that didn't hurt. And now I wasn't anxious about whether or not I'm going or they're going to go or who's going to, I let them go first and then I go. And I think, wow, that was good. I feel good about that. And, you know, it, it wasn't that I did anything super special. You know, I haven't met anyone in church that said, hey, you let me go at the corner, so I decided to come to your church. I I haven't seen that. But I know that in my heart, I'm doing what Jesus would want me to do to yield to others at times. We should yield to others with our words too, with what we say. Speaking evil could also be when we give a negative opinion about someone Sometimes it's best to keep our opinions to ourselves, especially when they're not solicited. Quite often, we have an opinion about things that we just thought we'd give because it may improve someone else's life. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever been the recipient of that before? I know I have. You know, people often come and tell me things that I can do to improve the way I do things or, or, you know. My sister is chuckling back there because she does it all the time. (laughs) But you know what? It's okay. It's okay to give someone advice or an opinion when they ask for it. But even when we do that, we should do it in love. An opinion isn't a directive, okay? An opinion is just, hey, from my perspective, this is what I think. But quite often, we give our perspective when it's unsolicited and we just want to tell people, you know, this is what we think is right or what would be better, you know? This is a better way to do things. And sometimes it may be, but I'm not gonna give them credit. So we can even justify our opinion. We can justify our opinion. And, and say, I'm just telling you this so that you can pray for them because they need prayer. <laughs> Some of you are laughing nervously right now because of the fact that that's happened to you or you have been a participant in that way. And you know what? We're all guilty of that in one way or another whether we're receiving it or whether we're saying it. And we shouldn't. The best thing we can do is just pray for them and keep our mouth shut. We can also speak evil of others when they've actually sinned. And we reveal that sin to others. Ham, not the food. Ham, the man... Went in and saw his dad naked. And when he saw him, he went out and he told his brothers and said, Hey, dad's in, they're all drunk and naked. And they took the high road. They went in, they grabbed the blanket, and they backed in over their dad, and they laid the blanket over their father. You see, Canaan, Ham's son, was cursed for that. And, you know, we don't understand the whole picture. I'm sure there was other family dynamics that we're not aware of. But what we do know is that Ham could have done something differently. When he saw his father in there naked and drunk, he could have just covered him up and not said anything to anyone. You see, but quite often we like to announce the sin of others because it makes us look better because, you know, at least I'm not doing that but that's not the right attitude that we should have. You See, Peter says love covers a multitude of sins and that's what The brothers did. They went in, they covered the sin of their father. Now, you may think, well, what's so sinful about being naked and drunk? Try it out in the town and see. You know? know. And they covered the sin of their father. They covered him up because they knew that was the right thing to do. And that's what we should do. A lot of times when people are in sin, they're hurting. And they need help. They need someone to come alongside not to point out their sin, not to reveal it, but to pray with them, to encourage them. Every one of us have had sin in our lives or even have sin in our lives today. Every one of us have sinful thoughts or, or sinful actions. Every one of us has had this in our lives. It's the fact that we recognize this is sin and we turn away from it that makes the difference. That's what causes us to live our lives for Christ, turning away from sin, repenting, and turning away from sin. But quite often, we take a second look. It's not the first look that's the bad one. That's the temptation. Yeah, Just turn away. Go the other way. It's the second look that causes the problems, that causes people to stumble and to get drawn in by the enemy. The enemy wants to take us down. And all we have to do is rely on the Holy Spirit to give us strength and to turn the other way and go the opposite direction. It's not easy. I make it sound really easy, but it's not easy. If I say it really quick, it sounds like, hey, you can do it just overnight. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in your lives, he can do it overnight. I know he made changes in me overnight from the way I was to the way I became. But it took many years, many years, for me to accept that it was done that it was complete, the work was done. Now, I'm not completed, I'm not perfect yet. You see, he's going to complete that work in the day of Jesus Christ, but I'm still being perfected. Some of us are 80% complete. Some of us are 10% complete. Okay, And that's okay. 10% is okay. You're still going in the right direction, right? That's the important thing is to continue in the right direction. To get the work done that God wants to do in us, it's just allowing him to do it. And then as we continue, that's why the word of God is not always going to mean the same thing to everyone at the same time. Because God is doing the work, he's continuing the work, but it applies differently to each of us. That doesn't mean it's different It's the same word. It's the truth. But it applies differently to each of us depending on where we are in our walk with him. And we know that we can do these things in different ways. Maybe some a little more overt than others. And we shouldn't be. We're told that speaking evil of a brother is a form of judging a brother. And that's the same as judging the law. Here's the proper order. God... Who gave the law? He's the lawgiver. He applies the law, and then it's us. See, we're under the law. Okay? Not the Old Testament law, because we're under grace now, right? We're not under the law any longer, but the lawgiver is still gonna apply that law. Quite often, we become the judge. And when we become the judge, well, we're kind of taking the place of God. We're like, okay, God, I got this now. I'm going to be the judge of this. Now, sometimes we do judge, we judge fruit. We judge and we see what the works are in someone's life and we judge the fruit in someone's life. But if I were to be judged the day before I received Jesus Christ, um, I would have been judged, you know, um, a sinner destined for hell. The next day, I was saved. And people would still judge me as a sinner on the way to hell. But I was changed and they would be wrong. And so in our lives, we can make judgments that could be wrong based on what our knowledge is. But God's knowledge is so much greater. So... We shouldn't even desire to become a judge. That isn't even a a good plan at all. Judging fruit means that we're determining the works of a person. That's what we should judge. And not to the point where we're judging that person, but we're encouraging the fruit. We're judging the fruit of someone and encouraging them to develop more. We can provide water, and that will help fruit develop, right? That's the best way uh, to be involved in someone's life. James is now going to address not only what we say, but how we say it in verse 13. He says, come now, you who say tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James is mentioning something that we should apply to a few different aspects of our lives. Uh, First, it should begin in our prayer life. When we're praying about something, we should ask God what he wills in our lives. And quite often, our prayer life is a shopping list instead of asking for God's direction and God's will. And quite often we make important decisions without seeking God, and then we decide what the right course of action would be. Sometimes we even take advice from someone that doesn't have good advice, and you know we listen to what they have to say, and that's the direction we choose. And then we end up regretting it. And long if you ever regret a decision you made. It wasn't God's will. I've learned the hard way. I've looked and said, man, I regret doing that, and I know that God was telling me to do something else. But that doesn't mean we have to live with regrets all the time. We can um, learn from our mistakes and then improve our choices and decisions uh, the next time. See, we need to pray about every decision that we make. Quite often, people think, "Oh, you know, this is just a simple decision. I don't need to pray about this. This is just a, a simple. Well, it can't hurt praying. It, it can't hurt. You know. If, now, I'm not saying that you have to go to Amazon.com, download the latest book on prayer, you know, and, and then you can have the perfect prayer for the perfect situation." Right, And and that's what a lot of people, even Christians, are doing now. They're learning their relationship with God through other people's experiences, other people's prayers, other, other people's books, and stuff like that. We don't need to do that. We don't need the perfect prayer to um, talk to God. The perfect prayer is the one that comes from our heart. And we just open up our heart um, to him. So... When Nehemiah heard about the condition of the wall around Jerusalem, he was broken, and, and he was concerned for his people. He was really heartbroken about it. So the first chapter of Nehemiah, the first four verses, he finds out about this, and, and he's all broken about it. And, and then the next seven verses are his prayer what he prayed to the Lord about that situation. It says that he went into fasting and prayer. And we don't know how long, a few days, whatever it was, but he was praying, you know, Lord, I, I pray for my people. I want to see them protected. I want to see them. And Nehemiah had this big, long, elaborate and we can read it and we can learn from that, you know, how he looked at every detail and he wanted to pray every detail. But Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And see, as a cupbearer to the king, you don't ever go before the king sad because then the king's thinking, what's this guy up to? Is, is he poisoning my, my cup? You know, is he doing something that maybe he shouldn't be? So you're always supposed to be joyful in front of the king. And you should be, because cupbearers got taken care of really well. You see, they lived a really good life, so that they didn't have any ought against the king in the first place, right? If, if the king treated them badly and then wanted them to, you know, take the wine and test it for them... You know, It may be like something out of the Princess Bride where they grow an immunity to the poison and then they go and give it to the king. And, oh, no, king, it's fine. Look, I drank it. Go ahead. And then the king would be killed. So they always made sure that the cupbearers were well taken care of. So when he goes before the king and he is sad, the king points it out real quick and says, hey, why are you sad? What's going on there, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah didn't have time to pray. Seven verses of prayers as he goes before the king. He needs to respond to the king quickly in Nehemiah 2.4. It says, then the king said to me, what do you request? And then it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. He prays at that moment. And then in the very next verse, it says, and I said to the king. It doesn't say I went to my room, put on my prayer shawl, and prayed for, you know, an hour. He responded immediately. Why? Because God gave him the words to speak. We need to have that kind of prayer life the kind of prayer life where when we're going to make a decision, we just, Lord, the blue jeans or the chartreuse? (laughs) The Lord is always going to say blue, but let's ask him anyway. Because we assume that we know what the Lord is going to say. But we should always ask anyway, because if he gives us a different answer than what we're expecting, it's going to be the better answer. And... So, he loves to hear from us. He wants to be in that conversation with us. So, God loves being part of our lives, even the simple choices that we make in life. But besides prayer, we should be in the Word, reading the Bible, gleaning from the Word of God, the lessons that we learn there, the words that we learn there. And then we should also be in fellowship with one another. Being in fellowship is important not just because we have really good food and we celebrate together and we eat together and it's a great time. Being in fellowship is every time we get together, whether it's you know in a group setting like this or just going out with friends. That And when we're with Christian friends, it's different than we're with other friends from the world. You see, with Christian friends, we can... Talk and communicate on a different level, we can share stuff that we can 't share with um, with the world, and we can receive stuff that we can 't receive from the world and what I have learned is no matter where I go, no matter whether it 's been years since I've been there or whether it 's just been weeks, I go to conferences out in California every so often. I see guys that I see once a year at the conference but. We pick up on conversations right away. We just start picking up where we left off a year ago, and we can talk about things and share about things. But even if I go to a place that's strange, and I've never been there before, being in the Lord, sharing with someone in the Lord, we have a whole level of communications that, that's different than anyone else ever, anywhere else. And it's really joyful. It's like a long-lost brother or sister you know, running into and being able to share at that level. It's just an awesome thing. So we should be in fellowship with one another so that we can ask for advice, encouragement, and prayer, and so that we could also be there to give it when someone needs that. The point James is making in this scripture is that we should be trusting God with our future. Quite often, we don't trust God with our future. Uh, We think that we have a better grip on the future. You know, I I can talk to lots of different people about the stock market and what's going to happen in the stock market. I don't talk to anyone about the stock market anymore because no one's ever right. And so, you know, and it's just opinions. It's, you know, subjective based on who you're talking to. And I don't get into those kind of conversations but when it comes to the Lord, man, I could talk about the Lord all the time. Because, you know, even if we don't have all the answers, we can be excited for what's upcoming, what the Lord is going to do. So he already knows what's going to take place. And he can help us make better choices in our lives. That's, we should trust him for that. And we shouldn't plan assuming that we know better than God what tomorrow holds. You know, We often make plans, days, weeks, months ahead, but God knows what's going to happen in those days, weeks, and months, things that we could never expect, and so we should be ready for those things too. James goes from things that we say and believe in our heart to what we do in verse 17. He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. In our current day, people are confused as to what's good and, and what isn't good. They're not looking to the Bible to give them clarity either. You know, it, it, Christians do, but the world doesn't. And so you can watch any news channel out there and they have ideas of what tomorrow holds and what we should do and how we should act and, and all of these things, and generally they're wrong about... Most of what they're saying. But some look to the Bible and when they read the Bible they understand that it has good, good information. But this other information over here I don't really like. You know, it, it, it offends me. And so they change the meaning of what the word says. There's... I don't know if any of you read in the newspaper, in the religion section, there's a church up here that's going to have a 12-week study explaining how Jesus isn't the Jesus of the church, you know, that there's a different Jesus, a new Jesus, a better Jesus. And, you know, that's the Jesus that we need to be in touch with. See, Jesus has updated to the modern day now. It's not the old Jesus of religion Now he's the new and improved Jesus 3.0. There's a church that's going to be doing teaching on this up here. Now, I'm not up here bashing churches. What I am doing is pointing out apostasy. And this is apostasy. Okay, When when your Jesus isn't the one who died for our sin, who resurrected again, um, if that's not who Jesus is, then it's not the true Jesus, the one and only Jesus, the Son of God. And so I don't care what you teach in your 12 week study, but what I do care about is that you call yourself Christian. And that's not Christian. So put another name on the outside of the building. You know, the people who believe nice things about life. You know, I don't care what they call themselves, but they shouldn't call themselves Christians. And it's unfortunate that people are getting caught up in that. So people are looking for a way to justify their sin. So they won't be guilty of breaking God's laws. They come up with their own. They come up with their own rules and and what the Bible says. And in this day and age, that's to be expected. Isaiah said in um, chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light to darkness, and who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Man, that's... The world elevates people that look like that, that act like that. They elevate them all the way to... Never mind. But the thing is, is that people think that having a knowledge of the world and having a knowledge of things going on in the world is what we need. We don't need the knowledge of the world. We need the knowledge of God. You see? And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. So are you accessing his mind or your own? Are you considering things from a godly perspective or your own? I know quite often my first instinct is to respond to everything based on my own knowledge, my own intellect, my own experiences because i'm i've just done it all you know and i I have been in every different scenario i've been in the military and i i've been broke i've been wealthy well I had a few bucks and uh, and i thought that I always had the answer, and I never did, until the Lord showed me the answer. And so now, instead of making decisions on my own, I trust him to give me the, the right answer. So the first question is, how do we know to do good? We know because we have the Word of God, which defines good and evil. So that's the first place we start. We know to do good because we can get the answers from the Word of God. That's why we should read it regularly. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It illuminates the direction that we're going. And if you're going this way and it's dark and it's light over there, you're going the wrong direction. Turn around. Go that way. Follow the light. We're told in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I also believe that discernment comes by hearing the word of God. Discernment is important for us in this day and age. We need discernment. We need to read the word of God. We need to pray on a regular basis. And he will give us discernment at those times that we need it. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 how to grow discernment. He says, test all things, hold fast to what's good, abstain from every form of evil. That's how we grow discernment. And as we develop it, it just becomes second nature. Discernment just becomes part of our life. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4:14 4, that we should become mature in our faith. In the word, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. A lot of the world is trapped there today. That's where they're stuck, in deceitful plotting. They're getting confused and caught up in things that they shouldn't be. But being grounded in the scripture, we can protect ourselves from being trapped, being deceived, being misdirected. And we'll know the difference between good and evil. We close remembering what James told us today. He said, what we say matters. But not only what we say matters, what we do matters also. Remember, he said faith without works is dead. So we should be doing the very things that we believe. It's not just what we say, it's also what we do. And we should let our words and our actions glorify God in heaven. Amen.